it embodies the tradition, the history of the game. Is it his time? It's the greatest golf tournament that we play all year. The return to glory. As a kid, you always dreamed about being a Masters champion. Yeah, here it comes. Pinnacle is stepping out onto the tee with our first ever golf podcast, Major Talk, covering the world of golf betting from every angle. We will be providing you with the expert analysis ahead of every major throughout 2021, as well as giving you the added insight into what the bookmakers think will happen. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, but the three people that are going to be doing all the legwork today, former ladies European tour player, now Sky Sports golf analyst, Sophie Walker, Whilst we are also joined by David Lynn, who famously led the field at the Masters back in 2013, and golf expert James Gregg from BBC Five Live. Guys, that's uh, some triplet, if I do say so. Welcome to uh, Pinnacle's first ever golf podcast. Uh, just like to say how excited I am to have you all on. Um, I'm really looking forward to hearing your insight ahead of the first major of the year. Um, and I suppose if we say it quietly, the best one. Um, now, as I mentioned it will come as no surprise to our listeners today's podcast will focus on the u.s masters from augusta national but before we get into that let's get a brief introduction from yourselves about your experience in the golfing world and kind of what insight you hope to share with us today um sophie i'll start with you as you'll be a regular with myself on this podcast series uh tell us a little bit about your golfing experience and your work that you do in the industry well, hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I played on the Ladies European Tour for the best part of 13 years. Played in 200 events, US Opens um, and Open Championships. Obviously not the Masters, but I have been to Augusta on a few occasions and I think I have watched every single shot from the Masters since 1996 when Nick Faldo won. Um, yeah, I now commentate on uh, the men's and the women's golf. So, yeah, pretty much you won't find a bigger golfing geek than me, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Sophie. Uh, now, David, you're, uh, you're no stranger to the golfing limelight either, having once led Build at Augusta. It was back in 2013, I believe, but correct if I'm wrong. Um, tell us a little bit about your history as a professional player and like your experiences, obviously, you've played amongst the, uh, the world's elite. Uh, yeah, hi, Chris. Uh, nice to be here. Uh, yeah, so uh, I played predominantly on the European Tour for the best part of 20 years. And then back in 2012, I, uh, I finished runner-up in uh, another major, the USPGA, which, unbeknown to me, actually qualified me for the Masters. A top five finish in a major qualifies you for all the majors. And uh, what all, what also happened from the back of that was I uh, I'd earned enough money to qualify to join the PGA Tour as well. So uh, in 2013, I played both PGA Tour and European Tour, and uh, lost in a playoff in America on the regular tour. Yes, uh, managed to pick up a couple of wins in Europe. And, uh, yeah, I, I played in a couple of masters in the end, which, uh, was, it took me a long time to get in the masters, uh, cause it's, it's the, the sort of icing on the cake event, really. It's, it's so difficult to qualify for. And it was something that I thought was going to go by the wayside. And then 
lo and behold, uh, managed to get in. And to be honest with you, the whole driving force behind my following year, having played in the Masters, was to qualify again, to do it not as a rookie that time, because when you when you turn up somewhere like that for the first time, it's a bit of a rabbit in the headlights experience. And so I wanted to go back. Uh, sort of knowing how to uh, go around the place and what to do. So, yeah, fond memories for me. Nice. Um, not to lead you on, James, to, uh, that's not an easy act to follow, but <laughs> I know you're, you're, a, uh, you're a huge, obviously, golf fan yourself, and you do a lot of presenting with uh, BBC Five Live, um, an expert, and if I'm not mistaken, you've got a bit of a famous best mate. Am I, am I right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? So myself and Matt Fitzpatrick both hail from Sheffield and obviously he's, this will be his seventh Masters. Unbelievable. Seventh Masters. I can't believe that. I'm saying that out loud. Uh, but yeah, we played junior golf together. I was off scratch at sort of 16. And like you say, you know, if you can't do it properly for a living, you just talk about it and pretend that you do know about it. So that's, <laughs> um, that's kind of where I'm at. So uh, yeah, played a lot of junior golf and whatever, played in all the British boys and all that. But I mean, not to the standard that these two um, experts um, on this podcast have sort of lived up to. But yeah, been to Augusta as well with Matt as a guest and, um, you know, mooched around on all the practice days and on, you know, all four competition days and seen some excellent stuff. I was there when Tiger won a couple of years ago and that was absolutely unbelievable. So um, yeah, I've got, love the Masters. And just like Sophie says, I mean, you know, every single time it's on, if, if you're not there, you're watching every single shot on you on the telly. So that's about the extent of my experience. I've not led the Masters, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm lucky to have been and, um, and experienced it a few times. Thanks for that. That's uh, obviously a, a great wealth of experience we've got there. So we'll be hoping for some expert insight and hopefully some uh, some winners by the end of this podcast. Um, now we'll get started. Um, Sophie, I'll start with you. I'm right in centre. I don't think no Masters debutant has actually won at Augusta since 1979. So I was quite interested to get your opinion on what you think it will take to win the first, the season's first major, I'd imagine. Cause I mean, looking from my angle, um, kind of betting on the masters last year, it looked as though the course will probably play a little bit differently in April to what it did in November. I just think we're talking about rookies. I mean, David spoke about it just then. I will have no chance of ever playing in the masters. I'm a woman professional golfer and I get so excited about it. When I see on social media, I've just seen that Bob McIntyre has got his invite. I get excited for him. I have never met Bob McIntyre in my entire life. So I've, I've walked through the gates at Augusta. I've felt that, that feeling and, and I've never played it. So imagine what it is like to, this is people's dreams. You dream of this when you're, you're a youngster and it's so hard to get in. So you finally get in there, you're realizing a dream and then you play in a golf course that you think, you know, but until you get there, I mean, everyone says it's never as, you know, you get there, you can't believe how hilly it is, that type of thing. It's, it's an experience in itself and you really need to know the golf course, which is why, I mean, us golf pros, we live, we can live a life of luxury and we do play the best courses in the world, but the top of everybody's bucket list is Augusta National. So I'd be interested to kind of flip this and ask David, is that like getting that feeling, getting that invite? And then also, when does it ever become, I don't want to say a normal golf tournament, but I know when I played in the open, after a couple of holes, I feel a bit settled and it just feels like a a regular European tour event. 
that does you do you ever get that feeling at the masters because i mean just talking about it i get excited yeah it is it, it is special and uh, it it all starts from the moment you sort of arrive at the airport the uh, you, you know that that week you, you just well just getting on the plane to go there you, you and pro- probably even the, the week prior, I mean, you, it's in your mind then even, uh, certainly when you're going for the first time. But, yeah, obviously you drive up Nolia uh, Drive and uh, you, you get there and, and you've just got to be shown around and you don't know anything. And, yeah, you, you are the rabbit in the headlights. And, uh, yeah, you go out and you, uh, you start having your practice round. And it's a course that, Although you've never been there in your life, you, you just sort of know everything about it because you've just watched it so much. But I have to, I have to say, it doesn't hit home till for me it didn't anyway until I stood over my second shot down eleven because that being see it, it there's been lots of drama down eleven. You know, Faldo winning two of his three majors down there. It's a shot that you've seen so often and you've, you've always wondered how hard that second shot is in there. Yet you see all these guys just consistently hitting it on the green, you know, quite close. And yeah, and then, and then it hits home. And then obviously as you're walking down 11, you see 12 and you just can't take your eyes off 12, even though you're still on 11. And then you get on 12 and you're looking for 13, the famous par five. And, it, and it's just that sort of course. You just... You just buzz everywhere around it. And it's quite funny. I'll, I'll tell you a funny little story, which you, you won't believe this either. And that was, so when you go there, and obviously you want, you want to have uh, several practice rounds. So I sort of grabbed uh, Sandy Lyle and Ian Woosman for my first practice round. Obviously, two former winners. You're in great hands to uh, learn a bit about the course. So... We get on 15 for the first time and uh, hit a good drive down 15. And I've, I've sort of got, I, I can reach in two, uh, probably having to hit a, a hybrid in there or something. And Wuzzy comes over to me and he went, whatever you do in the tournament, don't go for this in two. And it was just the most bizarre comment ever. Because like all I've seen for years and years is everybody if they've got a chance, they go for 15 and two. And I looked at Wuzzy like he'd got three heads. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I've, just watched, I've watched you guys going for this green for years and years. And the technology now, the green's even more. He went, oh, you just don't want to go through this green. He says, the chip is unbelievable. You're better off. Play. I'm like, I'm not having it. He went, come on, we'll get down there and we'll go behind the green. So we go throw a few balls behind the green and then that chip from the back of 15, I mean, it is a chip that it's hellish, especially when they've got the greens up to speed. And you can quite easily chip it in the water. But the, the, the way everyone plays, they're just so good. They just make that chip look not easy, but they certainly don't make it look as hard as what Woolsey was making out to me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, 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 you just don't switch off around there at all. You are, your eyes are on stalks. And then, you know, even when you get back at the clubhouse, you just, you just buzz. You just don't want to leave the place. But obviously there comes a point where you, you need to go back and you need to get away and relax. 
And then you just put it on back in the digs and just watch what's <laughs> going on there. So, yeah. Uh, and for me, people used to say to me, which major would you want to win? And coming from a, a British lad, a lot of people couldn't. I always used to say the Masters. And I just, the Open never, yeah, it's a great event and everything, but it never, the feel to it like the Masters did. And I, and I, it was probably because it took me so long to get there and it was a place I never thought I was going to get to. Maybe, you know, that had the uh, reasoning behind my thoughts there. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd obviously love to go back one day and see it from a different perspective. The only problem is with that, Dave, right, is if you do and you're wandering around Augusta's, all those cheese and pimento sandwiches, Sophie will attest to that, won't you? Oh, they're addictive. They are addictive. The concession stands at Augusta National. I mean, you miss half the golf because there's one hidden in the trees yeah. and you can't see, you never see one on the telly. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you sampled some as a player as well, mate. But yeah, <laughs> that's a dangerous game to play. And they don't rip you off either, do they? Oh, it's, it's in the prices. I haven't gone up since 1986. I think Jack yeah. Nicholas was uh, won that year and they've not put the prices up since. So cheers for that, Jack. Yeah, funny story. <laughs> I took my dad actually when Tiger won. So we were there, James, also. Oh, brilliant. And I was thinking, oh, he's, he's going to love this place. We've watched it on telly. We get to the first concession stand and Stella is a $5 a pint. He was more happy about that than Tiger Woods winning, I reckon. <laughs> oh, Obviously, the um, yeah, that's that's some great insight, guys, as well. And I love the fact that obviously David touching on the psychological aspect of actually playing at the Masters to get that kind of insight as well to listeners is kind of invaluable. Um, when we look into kind of like the betting markets ahead of next week, uh, Pinnacle have seen plenty of support for Bryson um, following his win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. But I think Dustin Johnson is generally obviously perceived as the favourite. Um, I go to you, James. Do you think that? Do you think that's that's a worthy tag? I think. I mean, obviously, he won last year. Um, I think if he he would be the first player to win it back for that Tiger, if he were to do so, who would you make as your favourite as such? And do you see that maybe Bryson, maybe Dustin Johnson? I know uh, a lot of people are looking at Justin Thomas as well. Who's your Who's your favourite for next week? It's, the thing is, at the moment, we have a core group, don't we, of five or six players who. Every single event, doesn't matter where it is, if they're playing, you're kind of backing them to be up there. I think if you if you if you're talking about betting, and you, I mean the obvious choice is Dustin Johnson, isn't it? But you obviously you want to make it exciting, don't you? You want to have a flutter, you want to try and win some back, you want some bang for your buck back, don't you? So you're looking at people like Xander Schauffele, decent performer in majors, not being in amazing form recently, but is that everything heading into the Masters? Patrick Cantlay. Tony now. I mean, look, you'd look at somebody with his game. I'm not sure about this, Sophie and David as well. You'd look at somebody with his game and the amount of contention he's in, he's long, um, he's got a really decent touch. And yeah, I'm looking at him at sort of like 25, 30 to one. And you think but he's, got, he's not got a chance, has he? Because of, of actually closing it out. Each way, he's probably worth a flutter. But in terms of closing out for a green jacket you can't see somebody like that can you I mean I mean that would be an obvious choice somebody like his, with his game but I can't see it personally um, somebody like Patrick Reed, actually 
and obviously a former winner, gritty competitor. And um, the whole thing about length, I mean, Reed's obviously long, of course he's long, but he's not as long as some of the, you know, there's probably 10, 15 players now who are comfortably longer than him. And um, does it matter that much? I mean, he's proved it obviously doesn't matter that much. So uh, somebody like that, I mean, you want to, you know, you want to look outside the kind of 20s to one for a a winner, but recently there's not been that many. So I think that like you touched on a bit there as well, James, if I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think 12 of the 21 champions this century won in the same calendar year. So I presume that that would mean that form is kind of essential, but is there any way that we kind of look at that or, you know, David or Sophie, is there a way you look at anyone else outside of that? Do you have to be informed coming into the Masters to win it? Or is there a way that someone maybe that's maybe a bit out of form might actually come through and win this year? Yeah, I think, t- well, turning up at the Masters can, I, I think form, it, it can go by the wayside because you, you get that inspired when you turn up. And, you know, so, I mean, for me, I, I think you're hard pushed to look past the Shambo and Johnson are just that how far they hit it. Uh, J- Johnson is more controlled than the Shambo, but you know, just he, he can get his three wood out, uh, even a long iron round there. You know, you have got an advantage round there for sure. But yeah, I mean, let's look at someone like Rory. I mean, he's he's not in great form at, at all uh, the last few weeks, few months. So the press aren't going to be on him as much about this uh, completing his grand slam. So could he go under the radar? And then, you know, all, all it takes for him is a couple of good rounds to start. He's, he's, he's class act, isn't he? So form is temporary, you know, as, as we always hear. Uh, and uh, another one who uh, springs to mind is Jordan Spieth. He's, mm. he's, you know, the Masters, horses for courses for him. He's been there before. He knows how to play that golf course. He started to show a few signs again recently. So yeah, I, I don't know what odds he's at, but, you know, he's another one who could, you know, jump out there. He's yeah. kind of around the 14s, Mark, isn't he, Spieth? And actually... I know I, I'm contradicting myself a little bit here because I said you want to be looking outside the 20s if you want to try and make some real cash. But actually, Spieth's not a bad bet because he's he's going to be there or thereabouts, isn't he? Another one is Paul Casey because he, every single year after what, rounds one or two, he's up there alongside Justin Rose. And Justin Rose has been in woeful form. But you know, you're on about that, David, about somebody who turns up at Augusta and it just helps them find something. Yeah. Easy sort of man, isn't he, Justin Rose? <laughs> Yeah, again, yeah, great proven track record. Yeah, these guys, once their game returns, and, and, and we know what it's like with golf, you can literally, you know, you can't hit uh, a cow's bum with a banjo, can you, one day, and then you can turn up the next day, and that's it. You, you're flying, aren't you? So it, it only needs a bit of inspiration, a few good shots, and off you go. I mean, that's how, that's how daft the game is sometimes. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, I was I was quite interested there in hearing Rory and Jordan speak because they were two of the players as a kind of masters better myself. Um, I looked at before. I actually I think I won with Spieth uh, the year that he did he did win. But um, and it was a strange one with him because he kind of 
he kind of breezed through, didn't he? And it looked as though he could almost maybe even dominate at kind of Augusta for years to come. It didn't quite work out like that. Um, again, with Rory as well, um, there'll be a lot of lists who I, I always get the impression. I think I spoke to Sophie off air actually the other day and said that in terms of betting angle for him, he's always kind of up there in the in the top five, six. Um, sometimes even, I think he's even been favourite before or maybe second favourite. And I was on him the year that he kind of capitulated, um, which <laughs> didn't sit very well. But um, I always, when I look at him now to bet on the Masters, um, I said to Sophie that it's kind of, it's been seven years, I think, since he actually won a major. Um, and he's still in that mix at kind of, I think he's 12.0 with Pinnacle. So it's around about 11 to one. Um, fifth favourite in the field. Think like what chance do you give McIlroy? Because is it maybe just a case of maybe you just you either like the place or you don't, and maybe he just don't quite like it. I don't. In my opinion, this golf course is is actually far more suited to Rory McIlroy than than what you've just said. There, I think it's it's almost the demons of you know that terrible tee shot that he hit going into the back nine and and the pressure of a grand slam i mean we look at all these stats and strokes gained and all this stuff but nothing can measure what's going on between the ears when you get into into a back nine the the, the thing that puts me off about rory is i don't think augusta is the type of place you need to go into looking for your game he is a very naturally talented player, but, you know, he's just changed coaches with Pete Cowan, which I think is a great change for him. His odds are always shorter because we love him. I mean, he's one of my favourite golfers and I wouldn't want anyone to win the Masters more than Rory McIlroy. And that's why the odds get shortened because sometimes it's a bit heart overhead. Every year, I think he's going to win the Masters. And actually this year, Dare I say, I don't think he's going to win it, which is what Linny was saying before. Maybe that media pressure might might help him out. But this lad is suited to this golf course. Um, but yeah, it, it's a massive mental hurdle because it's, it's different if you've been close and somebody's snatched it away from you. Feel like you've given it up. And then we look at this. I mean, when you've just said seven years, I've just checked on Google for that because honestly, I could not believe it was that long since this lad last won a major. Yeah, I had to, I had to double check it myself, actually. <laughs> it's um, you know, an interesting bit here. Um, and I don't mind saying it on, on this podcast that basically, um, I remember you know, a couple of years ago when I was there and um, you, you'll have come across Jerry McElroy, Sophie's a very funny man and uh, enjoys a cigar and he's just sort of wandering around watching Rory and it might be the Thursday or the Friday and he wasn't playing particularly great. He'd kind of just dropped out of contention and turned around and um, he turned around and I won't, I can't repeat every word that he says, but he basically did tell us that um, he wasn't a massive, Rory, you know, not a massive fan of the golf course. He said he'll never win round here. That is what he said. And I'm not sure if that's a negative pessimism from a father supporting their son who desperately so wants them to win, if it's a bit of reverse psychology or actually, in truth, if it was something that Rory had said to him, something like, I just can't get to grips with this golf course. I can't string four rounds together. And you don't know with these types of things. And um, yeah, maybe he will do one day, but it was, um, you know, just thought I'd pass that one on. So, um, I mean, 
I would never back McElroy at the Masters just purely because of that. <laughs> and I would have before every single time. So, um, so yeah, take from that what you will. Yeah, well, I, 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 I met a couple of his mates um, after that, um, the one that got away. And there was a big media thing about, oh, he took all his mates there and he was having too good a time. And did he take his eye off the ball? And they said up until that weekend, it was the best week of their lives, Rory's included. Everything was just perfect. Everything was going to plan. It, it was just it was just a matter of time before they were going to be celebrating with the green jacket, all of them together back in the house. And when that didn't happen, he said, that is the lowest I have ever seen Rory, ever. And we all felt it for him. And it, it takes winning. Um, takes a lot out of you but you've obviously got the success at the end of it but losing like that must really be a dagger to the heart i can account for that i certainly uh, felt that in my in my pocket as well <laughs> yeah when he done that but um Do you know i was just gonna say i i, I mean my my opinion of of all the major championships i i think the masters for him is is the top two for, for in terms of easiest for him to win just, I mean, the guy's world class at the end of the day. So, a world class golfer can win any golf tournament any week. And the fact that he hits it so far, he 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 can hit it high, low. He can, he's got he's got it all. The the only thing is, he's a bit dodgy with the blade every now and then. Uh, you've got to put well around Augusta. Uh, but yeah, I I think that comment from Jerry is a bit of, uh, you know, maybe it's come from Rory himself, but I think that's a bit of a reverse psychology to take the pressure off himself. Yeah, and, sure uh, I, I, I can't see Rory retiring without a Masters, to be honest. Yeah, that is, uh, it's a good, it's a good, um, good point because I think that, so looking, obviously we touched on it there with uh, past kind of experiences and psychology within the Masters to actually win it. Um, looking at the odds for uh, next week, um, do you think there's any players, and I'll open the floor for this one, there's any players that you would kind of discount as such based upon past experiences and what you know? Uh, anyone you feel that any of our listeners are get, going to bet on the Masters that you would just kind of completely discredit and say, yeah, there's, yeah, there's no chance they're going to win it? I mean, I would say for winning, you you can't look at anybody outside of the top 30 in the world. This the, the cream really does rise to the top at the Masters. Um, so you need to be looking at somebody with, uh, you know, in the top 10 stroke average for the year, in the top 10 tee to green. Um, they really need to be on their game, ball striking. You don't get many surprises at the Masters. We had Angel Cabrera winning. But the last few years, it's been the best players that are up there year in, year out. So for me, for the, for somebody that's going to win the green jacket, you have to be looking at the very, very top players in the world. You know what? I'm just looking at some of the odds, actually. And four of the top 30, current top 30 ranks golfers in the world, Kevin Nahr, Ryan Palmer, Abraham Anser, Harris English. You can't see uh, them in the Masters, can you? you no, that's the thing. got to go top top dogs here exactly but on the flip side of that Sophie not so much Scotty Scheffler but Sergio Garcia and Jason Day 
They're outside the top 13. They're under 100 to 1, there or thereabouts. And you kind of think, mm, okay. I mean, I mean, Garcia, previous champion, good form, did all right last week. And Augusta is the sort of place which is going to bring out the best of him. Jason Day, he was up there every year for years in the Masters in his first three or four attempts. So you never know. You just never know. Of course, both major winners, names that you probably want to be looking at. And uh, yeah, they might be ranked outside the top 30, but you just never know. Right, each way, bets. Yeah, Lenny, when you played it, what was the the bit of the the game that you thought, I need to be better at that to win round here? Or what what type of player? Why does it suit, I mean, obviously the best, but is, is, is it a fair track? Uh, everyone says, obviously, you need to be able to get to the par fives in two, but what areas are key for, for Augusta? So I, I always describe Augusta to people as if the greens were flat, it'd be, a, it's an easy golf course. But so what you've got is the greens are, you're looking at four greens within a green almost. Uh, off the tee, it's generous, not as generous as it used to be, because obviously they've grown a bit of rough, but you have got room. So the bombers, yeah, you, you can get it out there. And obviously if you can get shorter irons in your hands, you've, uh, you certainly you stand more chance of hitting it closer. But uh, depending on the rough, obviously control is a factor. It, it just tests all, all your game, really, because you sort of you'll stand on a tee and you'll look where the flag is and you'll be trying to position yourself on the fairway to to give yourself a chance to uh, to at- attack the flags. One one word of advice I got from an old friend of mine, David Guilford, before I went and played in my first one, and he said, "Don't be afraid to ta- attack the flags because you've got to take your chances at the end of the day." And that was one thing that I. I had on my mind when I was playing. I'm, if you can make birdies, then uh, obviously you, you you are going to make a few bogeys. But well, I mean it's a it's a cliche and make more birdies than bogeys. But, but uh, yeah, th- there's places where you just cannot miss as well. And for me, I mean to give you an experience of my f- my first time round there, I went out playing with Wuzzy again in the actual tournament, and. I had a six-footer on the 16th to go six under, and this is my first competitive round at the Masters. Now, I missed the putt, and, and I'm easily five under. I've not, you know, I've not been sweating all day at all. And I just naively walk onto the 17th. See, I'm thinking, oh, this course ain't that bad. So I then uh, proceeded to hit, uh, what was the tree that used to be on 17? The Eisenhower's tree. Eisenhower. I, I hit that four days running. That's one of my claims to claim. Uh, I was so happy. I was so happy when he heard, I heard it got struck by lightning and it had gone. Yeah. So anyway, I I made bogey there and then parred the last to uh, yeah shoot four under in my in my first round and it, and again I went and I got whisked off, did all my press, went in the butler cabin. You know, I've I basically fast tracked everything that you need to do you want to do at the Masters. And uh, yeah, just naively I'm thinking, well, this golf course is not too bad. 
Went out and had a steady old second round. I think I'm lying about seventh-ish going into the weekend. And basically, my Saturday all started after my second shot down the first. I just, I hit it straight at the flag and the flag's like back left and I flew the green. And for any of you who've been there and seen it, you, you, you're now looking at 40 foot at best for your par. And 40 foot round Augusta is an easy three putt. So you're staring Dublin fast. And it just, it was now a round which just said, you know, you need to, you know, welcome to Augusta. Those thoughts you had the first two days, <laughs> you know, here you go. And I remember I was playing with Westy that third round. And I remember standing on like the 13th tee and I was something like six over. And I turned around to Westy, I went, I don't feel like I've played that bad. He went, well, you haven't. He said, but you've just hit it in all the wrong places. So that, that's where, you know, knowing when to attack and where to attack. And this is why there's such, uh, why uh, there's a premium to knowing that course inside out. And uh, yeah, so the more times you play it, the more you learn it. But yeah, it's funny looking back. Yeah, I mean, you, you, well, I was going to say that you kind of touched on it there, David, as well, with like knowing the course inside out. And one kind of player that I like the look of in the betting, and I did like the look of in the betting uh, prior to a couple of weeks back, was Justin Thomas, who has been a lot of attention, uh, I'd imagine, from from a lot of golf bettors. Um, I'm really interested to get all of you guys thoughts on him because he's entering the Masters on the back of like a mighty impressive weekend at the players. He also, he's very much trending in kind of Masters form, uh, averages the most birdies per round on the PGA Tour this year. Um, he hasn't ever won the Masters, but surely this guy can't end his career and not win a Masters. Um, I was quite gutted because I think he was in around about 20s, uh, maybe a little bit below, and then after the players, he cut to about 10. So I didn't get on him, but I'll probably still be backing him, even at that price. Um, can any of you guys talk me out of backing him or even talk me into backing him? Uh, what's the opinion on that? I'll go to go to you, James, just to, what's your thoughts on Thomas? Well, I think he's definitely got the game. Of course he has, you know, major champion, one of the most consistent performers, one of the best performers on the PGA Tour and in WGC events and in majors for, you know, probably five years now, actually. 12 of the 21 champions this century had won in the same calendar year. So at the time of writing or time of speaking, I'm reading this off a, off a website, it says, during the WGC match play, 11 of the 34 meets either of the, either of the previous criteria, top 30 in the world, that I was talking about earlier, top 30 in the world, or below 100 to 1 in the betting, have done so. So Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Daniel Berger, Kevin Nahr, who we talked about as an absolute no-chancer, um, Tyrrell Hatton and Harris English. So he's in that group. Um, you've got to think, you know, he is on form. He's trending, like you said, in the majors and um, he's trending in the Masters betting as well and in his recent form in the, you know, years leading up to this year. I I, I think you, I think you're definitely sticking a little flutter on and his odds aren't that short that it puts you off, actually. Yeah, sure. I mean, you touched on it as well. The um, I think you said 
uh, a couple of interesting stats there. Like um, I think the last the last eleven winners at the Masters have actually been priced at no bigger than double figures, um, and they've all been ranked inside the world's top thirty. So, what's that kind of telling us is that you know anyone over that price probably hasn't got much of a chance, or is not going to stand the chance. Uh, Sophie, where do you kind of sit on Justin Thomas? I know that when we spoke and you've been doing a bit of work for Pinnacle, obviously, in your articles this week, um, I think that I've read over it and I'm pretty sure you was quite favourable of his chances. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on him entering entering next week? Well, you must have read my article because you've, you've said it. Um, but from, from a playing point of view, um, I like this lad. Uh, he... We want to, we're talking about finding experience. He'll go seek that out, you know, straight away. He's got matey with Tiger Woods. When Tiger was injured, he was round there learning from his short game. He was even asking him kind of what ball you're playing. I need a ball like that. He's speaking to Titleist. Titleist made him a golf ball to to be softer around the greens. That's what he wanted. And you talk about, he he was a bit wild off the tee um, the last, well, a few weeks ago before he won at the Players' Championships. So he, he seems to have tamed that. He spoke about having it on a rope. When a pro talks about that around a course like Sawgrass, you know that he's on form. Okay, he had a, he had a couple of slinging right-to-left shots, but I tell you what, they work wonders around that back nine at Augusta. It, he's just a big-time player for me, Justin, and I think you need that for the Masters. We've spoken about how much it means to players. It means a lot to world players, but it means a hell of a lot to the Americans. You saw Dustin Johnson's emotion, and you never see that from him. I think JT is somebody that can really handle that form of pressure and emotion. He's been through a bit this year as well, and he's kind of come out the other side. I think he gave himself a, a... quite a tough time about it and he's learned a lot about himself. I feel like this is the first roadblock that Justin Thomas has had to overcome. I believe he did that with the win at Sawgrass. I, I really like his chances, you know, like he's gone from tied 39th at the Masters to tied 17th to tied 12th to T4 last year. I mean, I hate to use that word trending, but boy, it's probably- <laughs> Sure. The uh, so obviously David, uh, Sophie, and James have obviously talked me into backing Justin Thomas even more. Um, can you talk me out of backing him, or are you gonna give him the give him the nod as well? It's hard not to back him, isn't it? I mean, he is. You know, like I say, he's a he's a world class player, big time player. He won't be scared if he's there on Sunday afternoon going into the back nine. Uh, one thing I like about him is he's been very vocal about the fact that he just loves to win. That's what he wants to do. So, you know, that's that's his that's his only, you know, drive going into the week. He, he will just want to win, and, and that's it. So, no, unfortunately, I, I, I can't really throw any curveballs in there to talk me out of that one. <laughs> Go on. One thing I'll move on. The one thing I did want to kind of get your guys' opinion on as well at the Masters, obviously sport, not just golf, over the last kind of year or so has been heavily affected by uh, the coronavirus where no fans have been allowed in and especially in kind of soccer and the betting, we've seen some kind of 
strange kind of results. You know, Liverpool and stuff have gone from kind of being a dominant force to losing five games at Anfield on the trot and stuff like that. I mean, that would probably be unheard of uh, with fans in there. In terms of golf and golf betting, especially, what do you guys think that in terms of if there's not a crowd at Augusta, I know there's going to be some people there, but without without that real kind of roar of the crowd, is there any players that you feel will kind of benefit from that? Or is there any players that you feel might might want want a big crowd in there? Um, James, I'll go to you. What's your kind of thoughts on that? And do you think that is there anyone you kind of pick out maybe in the betting market or something that you kind of feel, yeah, they'll kind of benefit from not having a crowd or maybe they will benefit from from having a crowd? If you're having a knock at your local golf course, there's not a crowd and it's, and, or you stood on the driving range, it's deathly silent. You can hear a pin drop generally, apart from the kids who are nicking stuff out of the fruit machine. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's what you've got to look at. Also, is it going to favour a, a rookie? Bear in mind, actually, it's not the crowds that are the problem. And David will attest to that. Sophie will attest to that. It's, it's the golf course. The golf course is hard. That's why the rookies struggle. So, I don't think so. I think what the only bearing that it will have on it is perhaps um, if there was somebody who is slightly less experienced coming down the stretch, they might not feel those nerves jangle as much. But I'm, we're talking really small percentages, really small percentages, aren't we? I mean, because you're still wanting the green jacket. You're still wanting a major championship. You're still winning at Augusta. And there's all those things are, playing on your mind, you know, a bunch of Americans eating hot dogs or pimento cheese sandwiches stood around one of the greens isn't going to make you that much more nervous, so much so that you can't read the putt or hold the putter or think rationally about playing the right chip or pick the right yardage or play a safe approach into the green. It's not. It's just not going to happen. So it might have a slight bearing, but I don't think it'll have that much of a bearing. Um, in terms of actual players, um, I, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you could pick a rookie, you could pick maybe some of the low amateurs or something like that, a potential low amateur who might thrive from not having a crowd there. Um, but I, I, I can't really see. It. I mean, Sophie and David are you ones for this, I think, really. Um, so what do you think? What do you think, Sophie? And then we'll get David's opinion as a man who's been obviously in that position. James, I never played in front of much of a crowd, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think players are more used to it. Um, it's it's been the best part of a year now, hasn't it? Uh, Rory spoke about suffering with without a crowd. He likes to perform to a crowd. I think somebody like John Rahm is 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 that type of player as well. Um, and even to a certain extent, Jordan Spieth, um, when he started his little comeback, guess what? Crowd started to be there. So I think he's a, a player that thrives on a crowd because they will be supporting him. Whereas a Patrick Reed, not so much. So the year I went to the Masters, Reed won and Rory was chasing him. On, I remember being there on the Saturday. There's no televisions at the Masters. There's no electronic scoreboards. It's, it's just the old-fashioned scoreboard. And an eagle roar is a different roar to a birdie roar. But I tell you what, a Rory roar to a Reed roar, there was a significant difference. Um, so there's players which are going to really bounce off that crowd thinking, I want to make this putt to make that crowd roar. And there's others which, you know, it, it's not going to, to matter as much. I think somebody like DJ is, is that type of person as well. So players are more than used to it now. I think you might see, you might see a, a rookie do, do a bit better than normal. 
But I just think trying to get a rookie to get four consistent rounds around Augusta, you know, like David just said, you can get two, you might get three, but to get four in a row around a course, which you need to know. If you look at these guys' yardage books, and I think Justin Rose posted a photo of his, it's, it's like a diary of the past 10 years that he's been playing there or more. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you, Linny, but when I've stood on the 18th tee with that crowd down there, that looks very narrow. How did you feel about it? It is surprisingly quite an intimidating tee shot. Yeah, it, it does just funnel up there, doesn't it? For me, though, crowds were always... That was the one thing that when I went and played PGA Tour, and for years and years, I, I'd never wanted to go and play there. And then when when the card landed on the table, I still wasn't going to go. And then I I got talked into it by various players and whatnot. But the one thing it, it was the crowds. It, every week is like a major. I have to say, it, it, it was just a buzz. So for me, with... with uh, yeah, the, the lack of a crowd, it, it, I, it can be more detrimental to some of the bigger time players, really, because, you know, it's like going out on a Saturday morning with your mates or something. Uh, and then, whereas guys maybe coming from Europe who have not experienced those sort of crowds, uh, it can benefit them to a degree. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's still Augusta National. It's still that golf course. Uh, you know the, the the guy who comes out on top is uh, like we say. I mean, he's he's going to be one of the top players in the world, and he's going to have played there before. Uh, yeah, I'd, I mean, I've got I'd, I've played in like like yourself, so I've played in many a European Tour event with no crowd, so I know what it's like. And then I've also been fortunate enough to experience it the other way. Uh, playing with the likes of Tiger Woods. And I used to just love the crowd. It, it was, it, it just focuses your attention. And well, you don't even have to focus your attention. You're just buzzing from it. Uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of guys are missing that and, and can't wait for it to come back full time. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it'll be an interesting one to kind of to look into. I mean, I've always kind of looked at golf uh, as a kind of casual fan, as somebody bets on the Masters in terms of a crowd, that it doesn't it doesn't have the impact of something like what kind of a soccer game does or the NFL um, that makes like kind of does have a massive impact on it. What's the kind of insight from you guys, especially Sophie and you, David? Like in terms of you touched upon it a little bit there, but is it is is a crowd in golf like that essential? Does it really kind of make players play better, or is it something that you could? you could kind of just give or take and not really be too worried about whether there is actually a crowd or not. Well, I think it definitely helps. It adds to the occasion. Um, I think it's tough when people are almost trying to take, not take away a major from somebody because there wasn't a crowd, you know, you know, last year in women's golf with Sophia Popoff um, and in the men's game, like Colin Morikawa, you know, these people that maybe got a major, um, earlier than the, in their career. Like no, everyone thought Colin was going to win a major, but maybe not so early. So there, there is 
there is that, but these players are that good that they they will always win one. So there is a potential for them to win one a touch earlier. Um, when you're talking about the likes of a Rory McIlroy or a Tiger Woods, they've never not played in front of a crowd. So Rory has been and Tiger with phenomenons from such a young age that the, the, the first tournament they ever played, everybody knew who they were. Um, so they're, they're just not used to playing in front of nobody. Um, and, but then again, around, the, around Augusta, it's not like the crowds will stop your ball or tread down the rough because there's a lot of places that crowds can't go on, you know, down the side of the 11th or you know, the path, the, the path 312, down the side of 13, down the left hand side. And there isn't a great deal of rough for them to trample down. So in that sense, it's not going to aid the players. And there are rules at Augusta, but there is no shouting. You're not allowed to shout at Augusta. You, you get told to leave the premises. You're not even allowed to run around Augusta, as I got told off once there before. So, yeah, we, 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 there's not the grandstands that are going to stop the ball and, and all that type of stuff. So this course, um, this course is perfection in, in that sense. And a crowd is there to cheer you on. But really, it's the course that's the challenge. Sure, yeah. Um, obviously, some there's some great insight that we've obviously shared so far, and it's amazing to get the the thoughts of you guys ahead of um, next week. I'm making notes myself as such, just as you guys are saying saying all this. Uh, but um, to kind of not to wrap things up, but go on to kind of the last part of the podcast. Um, obviously, you provided us with some great insight and David as well, especially to get the insight of actually playing around Augusta and how it feels. Um, I'll go around all three of you. I want one player that you feel is your dead cert for the green jacket. So uh, if the mortgage was on them, then you would put your money on them. Uh, in terms of a betting angle and one player who you feel that can potentially spring a spring a surprise and maybe not win but maybe come from a top 10 finish or might be worth an each way bet um james i'll start with you um what what have you got for us pal well i think in terms of a dead cert who i would if i was gonna have to put my house on it i'm just looking around the walls i think actually i won't mind the new painting but i think actually (laughs) We'd go, um, we'd definitely go Dustin Johnson. It's hard to look past him. He's got the game. He's long. He's fearless. He's razor shot on his day on the greens. Um, he seems to have really worked on his short game and inside 100 yards. And that's basically what's seen him just become such a consistent performer week after week on the PGA Tour. He's got the experience now winning. Um, and he won't want to give that green jacket back very quick, you know, very quickly. And I think, you know, look for all Bryson's length, um, and you know, similar kind of odds. And a lot of people are, but you know, lumpy on Bryce mainly because I think of a lot of the hype that he's created around himself. You've just got to back DJ, you've got to back DJ. Um, I think you'd be a bit silly not to. It's not like he's really badly out of form or anything heading into this event, you've just got to go for it. Um, and a player who is sneaky, well, talked about him. You mentioned him right at the start when you were introducing me, but I say it every year and I will con- keep saying it until he has that <laughs> green jacket and he brings it back to Sheffield. But Matt Fitzpatrick, just purely because, you know, he's had a tied seventh. I know he loves the course. You know, he's, he absolutely loves the course. He loves the event. And by the way, he's had some brilliant finishes. He's had three top tens this year already on the PGA Tour. 
Um, he got actually unlucky at the match play last week. He got knocked out in the group stage despite winning two out of his three matches. Work that one out. But generally across the board, you'll see him sort of between 45 and 55 to one. And he's just, he loves it. He's playing really well. And he's, um, you know, he's scored well there before. In fact, a couple of years ago, the last time I was out there with him, the year Tiger won, um, he had a 76 on the first day. If that was a 70, he'd have won. So, you know, if he can just sort of get off to a better start and string four rounds together, he's done it before, he can do it again. So good value. Sure, yeah, that's obviously uh, tipping your mate off. I'm sure he's had a, had a word in your ear there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, David, I'll go to you. The um, Obviously, over the course of this podcast, a, a lot of the talk from what I can gather has been that someone in the top kind of five or six in the market is, is going to win this year. Um, who's your kind of, I suppose, cert, but cert to win this year and also someone who you feel might, might cause an upset or maybe an, a, a decent each-way bet for our listeners? Yeah, I'm uh, very boring, but uh, I'm going to lump on Dustin Johnson as well. Uh, you, you are hard pushed to see past him. He's got all the game, hasn't he? He's now proven around August. Uh, yeah, he's 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 big time, and he and uh, yeah, my my house is uh, sitting comfortably there with uh, in <laughs> Dustin's hands. <laughs> so if we were going to if we're going to throw an outsider in there, I'm going to throw a horses for courses man who's got a brace of green jackets. We've not heard of him for quite some time. His game is absolutely tailor-made for the place because he hits that long cut and that's Blubber Watson. So I don't know what sort of odds he'd be at. I'm sure they're a bit tighter than normal given his track record around there. But yeah, I mean, all he needs to do is you know, when he's driving down Magnolia Lane, he's going to be, uh, oh, yeah, I like this place. It brings back some nice memories and it won't take much, you know, to to, to get him going uh, around there. Like I say, I mean, his his game with that big cut off the tee is just absolutely tailor-made for the place. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, moving to you, Sophie, obviously, uh, James and David have, Bigged up Dustin Johnson. Is there any way you're not going to back Dustin Johnson, or is there anyone else that you think is your your dead sir, or are you going to follow follow the trends? What's your uh, what's your views on this? I backed DJ last year to win, um, and when you say last year, it was only November, wasn't it? So you, you're talking six months here. So it, it's very hard to to look past DJ. It, it you know. He, he is he is the best player in the world. So yeah, I mean, but the JT is still up there for me. But I, I'm with the three guys here. If you have to go on, who is going to win? You've you've got to back DJ um, in that sense. If you want a bit of value, which I've gone with Webb Simpson, um, just because his odds are higher than than you'd ever think. I mean, he's ninth in the world, and he's looking at like thirty to one. Um, probably because he's, he's not that fashionable a player. He's already got a major to his name. His last two outings at Augusta, he's, he's come 10th and 5th. Um, he's well up there in terms of experience at Augusta. This is his 10th Masters. And if he gets a sniff, Webb, he takes it. And, and that's what I like about him. He's a true winner. I remember watching Tony Finau and we all thought this might be his time. He's finally going to win one at the Waste Management. 
and Webb just came in and snatched it out of his hands. Another guy that performs very well on a big stage. And I, I was the only thing I was uncertain of was his form at Augusta. And then I looked at his form and it's fabulous. So, yeah, for me, not somebody that's going to stand out, but all the criteria that we talk about of what you need to win around Augusta experience, you need to have won major big tournaments and have a really good strokes gained tee to green. Webb fits them all. He's ninth in the world and there's about 15 people above him in the betting, which just shows you that I don't know why he's that low. And it's maybe because there's a few people that kind of bet heart overhead. Yeah, sure. I mean, listening to you guys as well, where you have obviously three, all three of you have gone for Dustin Johnson. Who who do you, again, I'll open the field, outside of Dustin Johnson, who do you feel is going to be biggest threat to him winning? Because like myself looking at it as like to place my bets as well. I mean, Bryson, I believe, was favourite going into the Masters last year and he kind of capitulated. He was nowhere. Um, say last year, like you said, in November so technically it's only a little while back but out of the kind of top field who do you feel is going to kind of compete if it isn't Dustin Johnson who who who, who will it be who comes in as a as a second favourite as such I mentioned Xander Schauffele earlier on Xander Schauffele steady player 20 to 1 I know he's not that much of an outsider if he's kind of at that price um you know, Webb Simpson's a good shout, you know, Sophie. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and I'm just trying to think if I was to put money on it right now, you, you know what? I can't believe I've actually not said this, by the way, guys. I, Lee Westwood, because he's on form, he's enjoying it. He's either going to have his lovely okay. girlfriend, Helen, caddying for him or his lad, Sam. I'm not sure who yet. And uh, he, he's just loving it and he's on form and he's playing well. And by the way, his record at Augusta is a joke. You know, short of winning it, his record at Augusta must be one of the very best out of the people who haven't won um, the Masters. So, and maybe that relaxed approach, maybe the lack of crowds, maybe the kind of, you know, the fact he might have his son or his girlfriend on the bag might just be the difference. Who knows? Who knows? But I'd love to see Lee Westwood do it. And he's handily priced at 33 to 1. Yeah, sure. I was, wait, I was waiting for his, uh, for his name to pop up. I was surprised it took... How is it yeah. not, by the yeah. way? How have we not brought it up yet, by the way? Unbelievable. But the, uh, yeah, James, I'll, I'll go to you uh, just to reiterate what uh, David said as well. Outside of kind of Dusty, who's the, who's, who's the man for you who could... Uh, if Dustin Johnson doesn't turn up next week, who, who does turn up? Yeah, again, and you, you mentioned him yourself uh, going on to this bit, the uh, Shambo. Yeah, I like him. I like his chances. I do think he'll be in the mix going into that back nine on Sunday. Uh, wouldn't it be great if him and Dustin were playing together that final round? Uh, that would be an absolute bomb fest between the pair of them. So, again, uh, I do, I've, I, I always say it, the press are always on, that you know, length is a premium round there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot more to it than just the length, but it does help. Um, yeah, he's, he's won at the, uh, where did he win the Palmer, didn't he, this year? Uh, yeah, so he's going into it feeling good. 
So, uh, yeah, he, he would be the one for me to push him. And uh, Sophie, just to just to wrap things up with uh, your selections, I get the the sense that obviously Justin Thomas, Bryson and Dustin Johnson are going to be popular picks amongst betters. And obviously we've all kind of bigged them up. Who maybe outside of them three do you feel will potentially come through and challenge for the green jacket? Yeah, there's, there's a few things to look at. Maybe with Bryson, what I like about Bryson is he doesn't often make the same mistake twice. So there was a few occasions at Augusta. I think he lost a ball, didn't he? Going for going for one of the the greens on a par four on the front nine, and I can't see him doing that as much this year. I, I saw that at, at Bay Hill. He started to pull out the iron. He learned. He learned from his mistakes, but he is still erratic. He's amazing how he finds the middle of that club face with that swing speed, but it is still a bit erratic. So that would be my only caution with him. You've got John Ram. John Ram, everything about me says he's going to win a major this year, but then he goes and throws into the account that his wife's pregnant. And if she's, she goes into labor, he's out of there. So I just don't think you can bet on him because no matter how well he's doing, he's saying he's going to be leaving Augusta if she goes into labor. So that. Straight away, I just I, I can't I can't put any money on him because of that. So I'm now looking a little bit further down to a Patrick Cantlay. Now, I was there in 2019. This lad nearly broke my heart and the rest of the world's heart. He eagled 15. He was joint lead, and I thought, oh my goodness, Tiger Woods is not going to win the Masters. <laughs> Thankfully for us all, he had a couple of bogeys coming in. So just like. What, um, what Linny was saying earlier, like those, those last few holes, they're a, tough, they're a tough, tough closeout. But I like Patrick Cantlay's swing. I think he swings it great. He's obviously led the Masters after 69 holes. A birdie machine. Um, he's in the top 10 strokes gained tee to green. He's averaging over four and a half birdies around. Uh, that's certainly certainly backed up by stat, stats there. So, but the, um, I mean, yeah, that just just about wraps things up for today. I've um, I've absolutely loved listening to your guys' insight, and hopefully, come uh, next Sunday, we'll all be uh, all be celebrating celebrating a few winners. Um, for all our listeners, if you do want to bet on the Masters, uh, any odds that we've discussed today, you can find them all at Pinnacle.com, and just remember to always gamble responsibly.